gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your early delivery. Happy to be with you here for the next hour as we discuss the latest news in mixed martial arts as well as a couple of cards that took place this past weekend. That included Eagle FC 47 out in South Florida. One championship had themselves a card out in Singapore. And the UFC had a fight night. At the Apex, yours truly was present. For the first time in a couple years, I went to an MMA event. So I'll tell you all about that. We'll go over some of these results and some of these news nuggets that are out there. And, of course, uh, the big controversy, which seems to be centered around these split decisions. As of late, but specifically Saturday night. It's MMA Junkie Radio on a Sunday, Monday. It's May 22nd. So the show got started this weekend for one championship, 157. I'm not going to spend more than one minute, I doubt, on the card. Other than to tell you there are some names that I recognize where I wanted to see how they did. But again, if you guys don't bring it with a nice lineup that makes me want to wake up at 5 a.m. to check out your fabulous app. I have no problem with the app. I have no problem with a lot of the employees over at one championship. It's the card, man. You got to get my tail wagging. Congrats to Elise Anderson, who moved to 6-2. and two. She submitted her opponent, Asha Roca. Uh, Roca looks like more like in the first round. It was a triangle choke. I like Elise. She used to train a lot at Extreme Couture. Now she's down in South Florida, more specifically. I, I'm not sure which gym, maybe ATT or Masters or something like that. But she's cool. Uh, she trains really, really hard, by the way. She goes hard in practice. And uh, she likes dirt bikes. Shin Aoki did the grappling match. He lost. Well, yeah, I guess it was a 12-minute, one-round grappling exhibition. And they sided with Cade Rutolo. Gary Tonin lost. Now, he got submitted. Darce choke. He lost to Ty Ruatolo. And I was just talking about Gary Tonin, too. Kind of surprised at that one. Maybe the other guy is pretty good. And lastly, Rotang, who fought Demetrius Johnson a few months ago in that hybrid rules match that Demetrius won. He bounced back with a nice win. This was a Muay Thai match. Decision win there over Jacob Smith. And that's about it. That's about all I want there. Did you see anything here, goes or hear anything, or want to chime in on anything regarding one championship uh, 157 card? Well, I mean, it you know, like you said, you got to put some names on a card for us to be interested. But believe it or not, like some of their favorites were on this one, right? Aoki, Tonin is somebody that they've been kind of looking up to. Uh, mm-hmm. So for Tonin to lose, not just lose, but get submitted, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but 5 a.m. Nah. Yeah, I hear you. Eagle FC took place later that night. 
And there's some names that we see a lot at the gym. There's some names that have competed a lot in MMA that we've covered, like a Sean Bunch who took a loss. Sean Soriano took a loss. Roosevelt Roberts, he's in the win column. Alexander Almeida, he took a loss. Hani Marks, he got a win. Um, and then we get to Andrew Sanchez. He defeated Gabriel Checo. Mackie Patolo got a dub. And then we get to the two, the meat and potatoes of the night. And it, it, they both ended in unfortunate circumstances. In the second round of the Hector Lombard-Thiago Silva matchup, Thiago Silva threw an illegal knee. Fight ends in a no contest. Lombard's already campaigning. What's right is right. He even referenced the time when he did something illegal and he had to take an L. And so, but he's saying, I want this, I, I want this one back. So I'm in. Sure. If both guys want to do it, let's go. Um, yeah. He, so he's fighting for a disqualification versus a, a no contest. And that one's kind of tough, you know, because then basically what you're saying is the referee has to think that you threw it with just all intentions. Uh, something like that's never never going to get reversed. Um, I think I think I was okay with a no contest, especially since they're in a situation where they could easily just run it back, which is what mm-hmm. I would imagine Eagle FC would do. I saw this on social media. You're saying you didn't think it was illegal? No, no, I thought it was illegal, but I don't know that you could say it was like so for to make it a disqualification. Basically, you you have to say it was intentional, right? Like he looked at him, said, oh man, his hand's down. I'm still going to rip one off. And I don't know that that was the case. Uh, So I I did feel like a no contest was correct. Well, he was clearly down. So I, I don't know if the intention was there or if he just didn't know the rules for that particular moment, but it sure looked illegal to me. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's not illegal. I'm just saying, he basically spaced it. He didn't look at the guy and say, I'm going to jack him up. He just mm-hmm. spaced it on the situation. Right, but you're not supposed to space the rules, goes is what I'm saying. So, I know, but there's a difference between somebody who does it intentionally and a person that does it unintentionally, right? I guess, but, I mean, part of it is just knowing what the rules are and um, I don't know. I, I would have given him. I would have been very comfortable with a loss there. It ended in a no contest. I didn't see the fight live, but I did see the replays. So I see what Hector's saying. But more, I'm more interested in, I mean, I guess if they overturn it, good for Hector and his team. But I'm more interested in just saying I'm down to see them run it back. Mm-hmm. Jorgen DeCastro and Junior DeSantos. So they're in the main event. Now it's time to get the taste out of your mouth, right? Because of the last fight ended in a no contest. And in the third round, Junior DeSantos could not continue. He had a shoulder injury, which at that time, if I had to guess, I thought it was going to be more of a like a, a labrum tear, you know, some something wrong that way versus like muscular or ligament-wise versus a skeleton. And what he said in his post-fight update on his social media was that it was already popped back into place. And it feels good. He did say he was still going to have a doctor evaluate and see what's the necessary uh, treatment, you know, so that I guess, A, it doesn't happen again, and B, if there is any kind of damage, it needs to be looked at. But he said he felt good. He said he trained hard. 
And it looked it goes. It really looked like Junior DeSantos was out there having fun, and he could be going, he could be cruising into a victory, which would then really put him in a nice spot to face Fedor Melianenko. Not to say that that, like that contract had already been written out, but Scott Coker seemed warm to the matchup, and uh, both, well, at least Junior DeSantos seemed like he was interested in that matchup. I know fans and media would be interested in that matchup. But then this thing happened, and of course, Jorgen Castro is your winner. This fight actually made me not be interested in that fight. Because although Junior did have moments, this was a smaller dude that was backing him up more than I felt comfortable ever seeing. Like, you don't see JDS in his career really be the guy that backs up. And Jorgen was coming forward. He was a little freight train out there, dude. Uh, so Junior DeSantos, like... It's unfortunate what happened to him, but I just don't think we're ever going to regain those glory years or anything near it. Uh, he's just slowed down. To be fair, Fedor's 45, but yeah, Fedor does go forward. His balls are still of a 25-year-old. Um, Jorgen, coincidentally, is saying, I'll take that fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I'm interested in either one. But I think for the name value, no disrespect to Jorgen, I think even he would agree more people would purchase or want to go out of their way to watch Junior DeSantos versus Fedor Malenenko, two guys that held major belts in mixed martial arts. I think that one would definitely be a fun one. But I guess let's find out more from Junior DeSantos regarding the injury. Definitely don't want to want him to re-injure the fight or sorry re-injure that ma- uh, that shoulder again you know prior to the fight or even worse during the fight but i am warm to Jorgen de castro versus fedor malenenko he showed up he did his job good for him unfortunate for eagle fc because again both of those matchups did not end the way anybody envisioned it or wanted to man i think like if you're gonna pick my perfect scenario for Fedor, I, I think it just has to be kind of one of them vets, you know, an older guy. Um, so for me, it, it's it's uh, Overeem, I think, would be a good fight for him. I think that's fair at this point in their careers. What about Ben Rothwell? It's a good matchup. It, it's fun, but it doesn't have that, like, that pop to it, you know, where you can go pride versus pride or something, you know, from back in the day, like, a fight that maybe we missed out on. I don't know. How about Pride versus IFL? That's not that's not doing it for you? No, because most people are going to go, IF what? Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Rothwell is with bare knuckle. I realize that. However, he it sounded to us like he would be able to return to MMA, and he wasn't opposed to it. And I don't know that Fedor has officially started a camp. So I'm just throwing names out there, seeing what sticks to the wall. We move to Saturday night, and oh no, let's let's talk about Habib Nurmagomedov, the promoter for Eagle FC. He said a few things pre-fight and post-fight that were very very interesting. Of course, one of them being the whole talk about, you know, I won't know how I feel until if it should happen. Charles Oliveira, Oliveira defeats my guy. Would I then want to avenge it? I don't know. But then he went out of his way to say, hey, look, I've seen Islam compete for 20-some years, and I haven't seen him lose too much. And he's talking about 
training sessions and Sambo and MMA. So he sounds pretty confident about his guy. He even went out of his way to say, I will march down to Brazil, take that belt and then come home. And, and that'll be that. Uh, now this was, you know, discussed last week. Um, then another thing he said was what we just discussed here, which was Fedor Junior Santos. How would that happen? I imagine with Bellator having the Showtime contract, Eagle FC would send a representative to Bellator, or maybe Bellator is even kind enough to say in conjunction with, or Eagle FC does the prelims, we handle the main card. But I imagine the meat and potatoes, the big stuff, would be on uh, – would be – Scott Coker's uh, homework assignment. So we're not even there yet. Let's again wait till Junior DeSantos gives us an update, see if Fedor replies, expresses interest, and then we'll be happy to talk about it. But the last thing was Habib Nurmagomedov mentioning his ex-teammate and friend, Cain Velasquez. You know, he he kept it kind of simple. If you're a foreigner... I could see someone thinking how he said, and that's, well, what about the other guy? Why isn't he in jail? Also, he didn't say release Junior in that in that headline that I read, that I read, but I think that's what he would want. But he's wondering, why isn't the other guy in jail? And I feel the same way with when it comes to that, you know. However, it unfortunately didn't play out that way. And that's where, that's the part where I think a lot of Kane supporters have to come to the realization of the sooner the better because it kind of is how the world works. You can't just be a vigilante, take matters into your own hands like that, especially as premeditated as that one appears to be. You know, he, oh, God, I feel terrible saying this, but he didn't walk in on a situation and then react because I don't see a judge on the world, you know, not siding with Kane if, if something like that were to happen. The, the man had been arrested for the allegations of uh, sexually assaulting his, they're saying his relative. We've come to find out it's his son. And, but they released him and he was going to be monitored with an ankle monitor. So that whole process appears to have really pissed off King Velasquez. I totally understand, but that's the problem, folks, is King Velasquez then basically kind of hunted this guy down. That's the trouble he's with. Again, I am in no way not on Team Free Kane. I know he made a mistake. I'm glad nobody died. But I don't understand the law the way the legal scholars do. And the legal scholars are separating the two. They're saying you can't say because this happened, this is okay or in any way okay. Or it's thrown into the mix, you know, to justify that. Kane's actions were okay. They're two separate things. A man just got in his truck and went on a seven-mile uh, rampage shooting bullets, you know, uh, at some that some parties that were innocent, and and that's why he's he's still behind bars. Now, I'm sure Kane or Habib probably knows the gist of all that. It's just that it really, really is difficult to comprehend, and I hope I did a decent job of kind of explaining the legal side um but it goes i'm telling you man this thing just has bothered me since day one what part of it bothers you that man getting released yeah 
Those are I mean, if they if when you have allegations against you, something has to be pretty strong for an arrest to take place. Like I can't just go and say, "Hey, the neighbor man, the neighbor's been doing the stuff," and I don't know that they'll go and just arrest them based off of that. You have to have some proof, and or yeah, I guess evidence, something that says. You're going to come with us because we're going to arrest you. There, there's no questioning here or nothing like that. We are actually going to arrest you because we've we've come across this evidence. And so that happened. But then I guess they determined he wasn't a flight risk. That's usually what bail, your level of bail, you know, or non-bail determines is, I think, how likely you are to, to not show up for court hearings, right? And mm-hmm. I just thought, why would you even even if there's a 1% chance that that man could do that to another kid, why would you want that? Um, I, I just think that sends the wrong message. I, I don't, I don't like that part. You know, I don't justify Kane's actions. Okay. I, I, I get him being pissed. I get all that, but I, I think that all, all this stems because he was released. Yeah. I mean, I have to imagine, I, I don't know the legal system the way, some people do, but I have to imagine that was probably part of it was he can't be anywhere near minors. I think it'd be ridiculous if they didn't do something like that. But, uh, I mean, look, we're all Cain Velasquez fans. We all understand the situation that he's in. The problem is he had plenty of time to figure out that this was the wrong thing to do. This isn't something that um, that kind of went over two minutes or something like this went on for a while, you know, and bullets were shot and uh, cars were driven dangerously where all it takes is just one thing and an innocent person's being hurt. So I understand where they stand on the legal system. I think we just get wrapped up into it because it's not just John Doe, it's Cain Velasquez, you know, and he just happens to be a beloved fighter. So I do, I do get that. Now, if you were to ask Judge Goes if I think Kane would be a problem going forward, I would say no. I don't think he would. Um, I don't want to say that he's learned his lesson because I think he just knew from the get-go this is something he's probably going to get in trouble for. But I think what he did probably learn was the value of being with your family and what you do uh, being that support system, being around that part I think he has learned, and I think that would probably be what keeps him from maybe trying to do something like this again. Yeah, I don't really consider him a flight risk. Um, I just think he wants to be with his family, and I think he wants to hug his boy and probably um, go through counseling sessions with his boy and his family and start the healing process, of which I know nothing of, but I imagine that that's how the reparations begin, you know, getting professionals involved. And I I don't know how shaken up the boy might be. I don't know those details, but I don't consider him a flight risk. But one thing I did want to ask a friend of mine who is in the legal world is this. They actually played the card of TBI and CTE. TBI stands for traumatic brain injury, folks. And CTE is, uh, it's this long word, okay, 
chronic traumatic empathology encephalopathy encephalopathy or something like that right and but basically it's the cte part of it is not diagnosable no i don't even know if that i'm thinking of words now you cannot diagnose it until the, the party has uh deceased and then they can open up the brain and only then can they diagnose it although i heard they're making strides in being able to diagnose it tbi is traumatic brain injury and that's there's many forms of traumatic brain injury but um uh, those are the difference between the two and those were the acronyms that were being thrown out during that court case chronic traumatics and and encephalopathy okay yeah i thought i had it anyway and in doing so goes they basically the judge i wouldn't say wanted nothing to do with it um i just don't believe she accepted it as any form of a defense further to that goes what i wondered was I wonder if that may have also could have also harmed him if it was um, deemed, you know, that that could have been a possibility into Kane and why why it led to him, you know, making these bad decisions because that ankle monitor doesn't stop you from leaving the house. And if, if you've heard about these cases of people having traumatic brain injury or eventually cte they've done a lot of um uh unreasonable and well uh regretful decisions and 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 things like that to themselves and to others and so therefore i wonder if that almost would be a harm to society you get what i'm saying like it could be used as a defense to hey man He's, you know, he's hurting, and that's why he wasn't thinking clearly. But at the same time, I wonder if that could also be thrown back in his face. Well, then how do we know he won't do it again? You know, if he's not playing with a full deck. That sounds terrible, but I'm just trying to get, get through it a little bit quicker than being trying to be the legal scholar. Yeah, I would imagine that sort of sounds like a little bit of a Hail Mary play mm-hmm. in, uh, in the legal system. Because you're right, you know, okay, well, if that's the explanation for what you did, what about going forward? How do we, how do we keep you in a situation where you're not going to do more harm to people since you can't control it? Right, is what you're saying. So yeah, uh, maybe, I mean, I think maybe that that's a little bit of a clue of, of just how what the situation the poor guy's in right now. Yeah, exactly. So going back to what Habib said, I you know he's got a strong voice and large reach, and the crux of what he said i totally co-signed with why isn't the other guy in jail too um but we'll see you know we'll see how all this works out in that next i guess the next hearing is in june sometime and i think they'll always continue to try and bail him i don't know how many times you can try that via appeal or what this one seemed like it was kind of a final one so i don't know if eventually we just you know wind up going to a case uh, I'm sure it'll be two separate cases. I don't know how long they'll drag out or or how this will work out, but uh, yeah. our best to King Alaska's in this family. For sure. You know, before we move on to the next topic, George, I do want to bring something up. Um, we had a good time Friday night. We uh, Or was it Thursday night? Thursday. So Thursday. Thursday night, we went to go see our good friend Adam Hunter, and he had a show over at the Strat, which if people don't know, that 
used to be called the Stratosphere, now it's called Strat. Right. But he had a show that he did for Fight Pass where comedians, or sorry, fighters came out and and tried to do stand-up comedy. And I thought they did pretty damn good as a whole. Uh, it's Frankie Edgar, it's Sarah McMahon, Andre Feely, and Gerald Harris. Each one of them was kind of different from the next, but I thought they did a pretty damn good job. I thought it was a fun night. I thought Adam did kind of the best he's done in a while as well. And that was a lot of fun seeing a lot of people there and uh, getting out, you know, being in in a room with people, laughing, joking. Uh, Props to him and fun time. You know, it's the MMA world was mixed in there. Yeah, we saw a lot of people from Vegas that are involved in combat sports, like Stitch Duran, um, Neil Melanson, Gil Martinez, uh, Claudia Gadelia, Jake Shields. Jake Shields, Claudia Gadelia was there. Um, the Enjokawani brothers, believe it or not, including Chidi Enjokawani, who got a win about 48 hours uh, later. So, yeah, a lot of people from MMA, Co- uh, Cody Gibson. Did I say that right? I didn't no. see him. No, Corey Hendricks. Corey Hendricks, yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it was a bit or what, but Adam oh, said no. one of my favorite fighters. And he goes, what's your name again? So that could very well have been a bit if he wanted to go, oh, come on, it's a bit, you know. Um, but it he was trying to think so hard, and he didn't want to leave anyone out. So he gave a few shout-outs there to uh, some of the MMA people in attendance. Sean Shelby was there. I don't believe I saw Dana White. Uh, we were hoping that he would be there because Dana White is one of the biggest supporters of this franchise of having fighters tell jokes. The first one, if you'll recall, for those that haven't seen it, it's on UFC Fight Pass, and I know it involves Chill Sonnen, Henry Cejudo, and I forget who the other fighter was. But like Go said, this time they had new a new crop. Adam Hunter let off. He was kind of a, a host. He had a good good little set. I liked it. A lot of new stuff. Then Sarah McMahon comes in. This is the one I expected the least from. And I think she did the best. And I'm just I'm just uh including her, Feely, and Edgar for the purposes of the the fighters, I guess, that were part of this group. Because Gerald Harris is a professional comedian. So I can't involve I can't put him with the others. This this definitely wasn't his first time. He's headlined his own shows. He's hosted his own shows. He's promoted his own shows. So he's a comedian. He's a proper comedian. He did great. So did Adam. Putting them to the side. He was the headliner. Putting them to the side, it was Sarah, Feely, and Edgar. I thought Sarah put in the work. She did the reps. So she looked comfortable out there. She was able to pause at at times, let the audience laugh and ooh and ah and react and do whatever. Uh. So you could tell she probably did it in front of people and they gave her some feedback. But she did really, really good. And I congratulated her afterwards. She looked comfortable and confident. And it showed, like the work showed. Then Andre Feely was next. And Andre kind of joked about the fact that he was trying to compare his notes with Sarah. And that's when he realized, oh, she's put in a lot more work than I had. But he made that into a bit. And he was able to also seemed like he was comfortable out there and and kind of almost made that his thing. He even 
joked about you know the recent loss that he took so he you know he was playing playing around with that going back to sarah she joked about the fact that she you know choked in a title fight before so they're all having fun with it man i really really congratulated him and frankie actually had some pretty good material but he did this rapid fire Woo, man he, he looked like he just wanted to start and finish and we actually caught up with him afterwards and that's exactly what he said was i just had some nerves and you know, um, I, I, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of get through it. And he did. He got up there quick. But unfortunately, if you put him next to the other two, he was probably a step down. But he had some good jokes. It was just they were happening too fast. And I think you need to let the audience kind of laugh at the previous joke before you start to understand what the next one's about. Yeah, I know for sure. I mean, I think I thought all the fighters did great. Um, like George said, Gerald Harris. I mean, he's done this before. This is nothing new to him. So uh, he was the one that probably felt the most comfortable. I think he was on there the longest. The thing about Sarah McMahon was I thought she did great because I was expecting her not to do well. I've just never known her to be a funny gal or anything like that. So it was kind of cool. But I actually thought Andre Feely did the best, and I felt like he did the best because he was uh, he seemed like just his normal self you know, only on stage. So I really enjoyed it. It was a great night. And it, was, it was really cool to see people out and doing that. And like George said, it's funny as hell to see Chidi and Jikawani and then realize he's going to be weighing in the next morning. Like, but I mean, you see his performance and I know we'll get to that later. Uh, ain't, ain't no thing for him. Yeah. Carla Duran, Stitch Duran's daughter. She was there. A lot of the junkies know her. And I got to meet Tito Santana's biological daughter. That's how she introduced herself. Goes and I actually got split up, so we were in different sections because it was so crowded. They just had singles left. So I was sitting at the edge of a row, and some young lady had said, uh, I only need two. I, I, I don't need this extra seat. So I sat there, and and so I asked her if she was part of the MMA crowd. I didn't really recognize her, and she said, well kind of i'm more on pro wrestling she goes i'm tito santana's biological daughter and of course me i'm always in like a joke mode but i also realized i hadn't really been out much man in the last two years so i was like starting from scratch i just wanted to talk and converse and whatever and so rather than you know even try and figure out what the fuck she was trying to say because i think most people would just say i'm tito santana's daughter like had she told me I'm Tito Santana's daughter. I wouldn't have said his stage daughter or, you know, like, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, there wasn't really a, a, another any other question other than to go, oh, that's cool. You know, I mean, like, he's your dad. I get it. You're his daughter. So when she introduced herself as um, biological, then I was about to say, oh, yeah, well, I might. I'm the biological son of my mom and dad. But then I thought, OK, now you're going to sound like a jerk. So I just kind of left it alone. But she was nice. Apparently, Stefan Bonner wrestles for her promotion or something like that. So she's trying to get something going. And I thought it might have something to do with AEW because you told me that you're going to something like that, right? Yeah, there's uh, AEW has three cards this week in Vegas, two at Mandalay Bay and one at T-Mobile, which is their equivalent of WrestleMania. Yeah, so I thought it. I thought maybe she was a, a wrestler or something. And then let me see who else was there. Um, there was one other person I wanted to bring up and now I forget. Well, I did see Danny Rubenstein who manages Peter Yawn. 
and Jason, House. Jason House was there. That's Brandon Marino's manager. I mean, between them, they probably have like 200 people in the UFC, but I'm not going to name them all. But those are, that's like their, their big guns. I think they'd, they'd both agree there. Uh, Paul, Randleman, uh, Kim Couture. Kevin Randleman. Yeah, Kevin Randleman's widow. Yeah. Elizabeth is her name. And yeah, Kim Couture. That's Randy Couture's ex. Hadn't seen her in years, goes Kim. Yeah. She was always nice. She used to run the whole show, man. She's, I think she's the one that actually came up with the concept, Extreme Couture. So yeah, cool. Randy's always said nice things about her, even when people gave her a hard time. Hey, she, she earned that name, man, because she really put a lot into that uh, branding. Uh, sharp businesswoman, apparently. Anyhow, so yeah, it was good to get out. Show started a little bit late, but I think it allowed more people to get in. And thank you to Adam Hunter for the invite. Uh, I just wonder if Gerald Harris's juice, I say that with air quotes, cost us because he pulled us to the side, goes, and he said, I got you guys. Kind of like he was going to get us seated right away, like Henry Hill style, you know? Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, we're separated, and about 50 people got in before you and I. Yeah, I mean, you win some, you lose some, right? Yeah. Yeah, I still had a good time, and I also went to the Apex on Saturday, first time as a fan in a while. I I haven't even been as a fan or media for a while, partly because of watch-alongs, second because of COVID, third because I just kind of like hanging back at home, betting the fights. I've just kind of gotten into routine, but I knew I wanted to break the routine a little, and, and so uh, that's why I accepted the invite. Now, that said, uh, I also heard from a good friend of ours, that they contracted COVID and in doing so, I was like, wow, like, I mean, this thing still hasn't gone away. And folks, this is somebody that was vaccinated. And this isn't like a plea or anything to anyone. These are just facts. This is somebody who got vaccinated twice. So the two part series, and then they got their booster. And then six months later, which is now they contracted COVID through their daughter, through his daughter. And he, he was telling me he had a rough go of it for a few days. The one thing that stuck with me is he said, I can't imagine what I would have been like had I not gotten that, which some of that starts to wane, but goes, you know me, man, I got, I got to handle my rankings. We got to do some spinning back click, a few interviews but and junky radio and everything. But once all that gets settled, Tuesday night, I might run and go get my booster, man. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Cause he was describing what he went through when he's, probably 10 years younger and bet and in better shape. And I definitely don't want to go through what he did. He said he was shivering at one point for like four minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like a drug addict, I guess, you know, he, and that's after having fevers of 102 and a hundred and, uh, it was a rough go. Yeah. You missed some of the details, some of the kind of the gory details a little bit, but no picnic was, was being had there. Um, all right, so let's get to the UFC fight card. The UFC fight night series continues over at the Apex. Uh, it was fight night home versus Vieira, fight night 206 on ES or hashtag Vegas 55. It's so many other things. I just have like I like to have fun with it. But what we had was 11 fights announcers John Anik, Paul Felder, Daniel Cormier were on hand. Usually that's a um pay-per-view team there 
So it was good to see them, you know, doing the fight night. Joe Martinez instead of Bruce Buffer. 11 fights, not bad. Things started off with Sam Hughes defeating Elise Reed via elbows from the mount. Chase Hooper then ground and pounded his way to a victory over Felipe Colares. Jonathan Martinez decisioned Vince Morales. Any thoughts on those three goes? Uh, you know, honestly, I thought the fight, the night, the pacing was a little odd. Um, there were a lot of fights that ended quick, and then there were a lot of fights that uh, you got a hold of that. Do I need to go? Go ahead, Gus. Do I need to go to that? or? No, I just, we're okay. It looks like we got somebody that's yeah, up. Yeah, no, I mean, overall, the pacing of the night was was a little odd for me, but uh, it, it was fun, and or, and the fight started off well for me, so that was good. Mm-hmm. We get to the next set of fights, and Jonathan, Mar- sorry, Uros Medic defeated Omar Morales. This was a second-round stoppage. Jilton Almeida defeated Parker Porter. This was a rear-naked choke, first-round stoppage there. And then another first-round stoppage, Joseph Holmes defeated Alan Amendovsky. And so the thing here goes is, you know, there was a lot of decisions in the last few weeks. And here we had a lot of finishes. In fact, at one point, Joe Martinez said, go grab some, uh, go grab a drink. We'll be back in 40 minutes or something like that. He said that they had yeah. time to kill, man. Yeah, uh, Eurosmedic, he, he's awesome, dude. I love that guy. He's definitely fun to watch. Um, when you look at overall the card, like bonuses, Jesus Christ, man, that uh, you picked a good one to go to. That's for sure. Yeah. So I got the invite and, you know, like I say, just lately I've been going out too much at all. And, uh, but I realized that this one would be different because, you know, I, I haven't put in for the credentials and it, but it would allow me to maybe see a few faces and, uh, just enjoy the fights from a different angle. Um, I thought I could wear my little AirPods and kind of listen to the different play-by-plays that I happen to catch from time to time, do a little bit of live betting, but I wasn't able to get a fix on that. So I just had my pre, um, pre-fight pre bets that were done. And so a big shout-out to Alsop and Dan Tom for their assistant there, assistance there. They uh, definitely very, very good at and now analyzing fights, breaking down fights. So I always like to give them a shout out. Dan, of course, is our colleague. So I'll even go a little bit further. Check out Protect Your Neck podcast dropping every week over at uh, Apple uh, Podcast, which is where I catch him at. And one day I'm going to bring on Allsop as well so you guys can kind of meet him. He's agreed to do the show, and you guys, I think, will get a kick out of him. But uh, I digress. So, yeah, I got the invite from John Orlando, who's been on our show. And he said, hey, yeah, he goes, it's free booze, free drinks, or, or sorry, free food. You know, uh, it's kind of like a little VIP thing he had going on. So I was like, okay, this this sounds like it could be pretty cool. So I went, and yeah, it's very different from when you go to a Dana White Contender Series. Dana White Contender Series is a little bit more serious and a little bit more subdued um, for the most part. Because... A, this was 11 fights. Those are usually five. B, I think it's a crowd that is going to get going for the most part, but they're also very respectful of the process. A lot of the fighters are 
new to the UFC. I think their fans are, so they don't know when to cheer. There's no Baby O'Reilly videos. There's none of that stuff. Here, it's a little bit different. Here, it's a night of fights, and now they've been doing it for so long that people are showing up, you know, for a night of fights. So it kind of gets cracking pretty good, even between fights. They have the DJ going and and things like that, whereas the other one's a little bit more quiet. Anyhow, um, so I had a really, really good time. Met a few people, saw a few old faces, and uh, no complaints here. The Apex, it really, really is an awesome little arena. I hear they make some tickets available to the public. So if you're ever in Vegas and there's a fight card, you should check it out. You know, if if it's if it's in your budget, whatever it is they charge. I've never really asked to tell you the truth. Um, but if if you're down, you won't be disappointed. It's really, really a, a nice, cozy arena. It was 90 degrees when I walked in, but inside the Apex, they had it at a cool... 70 or whatever it's supposed to be at of course it was nice to be able to get the free drinks and free booze and i think that was basically because of the the hookup my buddy had so i'm not sure everybody gets that but um either way still a fun time and i'm glad i went and like i said i saw some old faces so um going back to the fights themselves we now get to the main card it starts off with june young park against Eric Anders. Split decision there. Park wins. It was close, but I kind of thought they were going to say Park's name, but I wasn't sure. I wanted them to say Anders' name, but Park just looked a little bit more comfortable with his with the striking that he was doing versus Anders had this game where he was like really, really pushing him against the fans and trying to work a little bit of the clinch game. I think if Anders just would have let it go a little bit, sometimes I don't know. I really don't know if it's as simple as styles make points or the judges still aren't reading much of those knees and small pitter patter punches against the fan. I, I don't know, but I was left with the impression off of the crowd's reaction that there was more of an appreciation for what park was doing. But it was close. I would have accepted either guy winning. If you look at MMA decisions, most people thought Anders won. Uh, I thought I wanted Anders to win, but I had a feeling they were going to say Park's name, so I don't know how you can take that one. What did you think? I thought they were going to say Park's name. I think part of that is, like, I I really think Eric probably could have put his foot on the gas a little bit more early on in the fight. But uh, towards the end of the fight, he was exhausted. You could tell. Yeah. Park was taking advantage of that. And sometimes it's a little bit of that lasting effect that's left over mm-hmm. that kind of sways the judges a little bit. So, yeah, like if you would have told me gun to the head, I would have said, yeah, they're going with Park. Yeah, I was holding my breath and hoping they'd say it, you know, otherwise. But I will say this. You know how you mentioned Anders was exhausted? Sometimes I think this is what hurts the fighters, goes. I really tried to analyze a little bit more about this scoring criteria, what the judges could be looking for or whatever. Eric Anders would throw these little kicks, not even those mean kicks to the calf or the mean kick to – it was almost like a lazy jab, like the equivalent of a lazy jab. But when he would throw it, because he was getting so tired, it came with little power. It barely would touch Park. And I think he was almost tipping off. The this is what it seemed like to me. Maybe I read too much into it. He was almost tipping off the judges, like his striking was nothing to be feared. No, Mm. that's the wrong way of saying it. That his striking had no pop behind it. 
because I, I was, in other words, what I'm trying to say was I was almost comfortable with him not doing that. Whereas if at least he had maybe thrown a nice jab and it connects, I think that has a little bit more of an effect. And if you're sometimes those little lazy kicks or something that's out there, it just looks like it's nothing. And I think it almost weighs, it, it almost seeps into the mind of the judge who's thinking, well, that ain't hurting him. You might as well stop doing that. No, I'm not, I'm not going to count that. You know, like it's, it's weird, man. But like I say, I, 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 I see a lot of unnecessary strikes sometimes being thrown that have no effect. And I think they're just so exhausted. Maybe they're in fight or flight mode, but you have to still be able to, I think, especially with Anders. Now he's had his fair share of fights, not just in total, but in the UFC, you, there's certain things you just got to eliminate from your game as things go forward and maybe just throw hands, especially when you need to score those points, when you know the fights go into a decision, that that appears to me that what scores the most points there is just solid punches to the face um, and making them count. I mean, look, we're no fighters, and I know it's easy to say it on a Sunday night, but I just feel like a lot of fighters, and especially on this card, I don't know if you can point to maybe they don't know the scoring criteria, or maybe they just haven't taken the time to to see Let's just say you don't agree with judging and you think it's the wild, wild west. You can still kind of see that certain judges value certain things more. And you could see every fight kind of like on one card has a theme to it. And I don't know. Um, I think a couple fighters on this card probably could have done a little bit more and would have been fine. But they they just took their foot off the gas a little bit. And, that just you're not going to win fights like that. You are correct. MMA media announcers. This goes for UFC and Bellator. All the announcers from every league. Uh, different pundits that you see on YouTube. Current and ex fighters. Throw me and you in there as well. Uh, I think we're on the better end of what I'm about to say. Promoters, they, we don't know the rules. We don't know all the rules. And some of us have taken the time to read them. Some of us have taken the time to read them over and over. Some of us brush up on them once a week, once a month, or whatever. Some people look at them once, and that's it. Some people just look at the story that there's new rules and see bullet points, and that's it. And then they just show up to work, punch the clock, and then they go and blab their mouths off everywhere. But um damage just folks if you're new to the game let me help you out a little bit damage 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 if you're trying the ground especially the submission game attempts to finishing the fight that's what the judges are looking for so oftentimes if you ever catch goes and i doing our watch alongs you know one thing i hate is pulling guard um yeah some people are submission machines and they've hit guillotines before but I think that's more of the past. Does it still happen? Sure, it still happens. doesn't seem to happen as much on the higher level. And when you do and you wind up on your back, man, you that's just a spot you don't want to be in. Because all it takes is for the person on top to posture up and drop one nice elbow, and that'll counter a lot of the stuff that you did. Your rubber guard or tying somebody up or holding them down. That's not offense in any way, uh, especially if that person advanced their position. So... 
you 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 just want to work on getting up. You know, Eric Nixick, good friend of ours, he posted a video and it was funny. It was basically he had actors, right? And he had someone on the cage yelling to a fighter who was kind of mounted, get up, get up, get up, you know. And so the joke was MMA fans yelling to fighters, get up, get up. And it's funny because yeah, we do that, media fans or whatever. But I would counter by saying, well, what about the one that's laying in their back and just holding on and they got their legs crossed? You know what I mean? Like, that's no effort to get up either. Like, you have to open your guard to create the different types of escapes that there are, you know, hip escapes or creating some sort of a scramble or pushing, you know, using your two feet and kicking somebody off the chest and no hesitation, no hesitation. Get up, you know, because you'd rather almost Take that one shot, and if you can get your hands up, you might even be able to block it. Then to sit there for another minute or so um, while the judges just see somebody on top of the other. You just saw, folks, Rose and Carla, probably the worst first round in history, or at least in recent history, and they still didn't give a 10-10. Do you want to be on the side of the 9? I don't even want to be on the 10 side, honestly, if something like that. Fans were upset. Everybody was upset. But if you're going to be on one side of it, be on the winning side of it. Imagine being the nine side of that, you know? So they're not going to give 10-10s, apparently. And someone's going to get it. So you got to do something, you know? You got to overwhelmingly win these rounds. You got to try and cause damage. Uh, I'll jump to Holly and Vieira based off the word damage in just a second. But, yeah, man, um, Anders and, and Pollyanna Vienna, she was up next. She kept going for that guillotine. Then she was laying on her back and biting and. You know how much time she was spending goes inviting her into her guard when she probably mm-hmm. could have gone up, stood there with someone who she was defeating in the stand-up portion of the fight. Instead, she basically gave the fight away, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, because you're not scoring anything. And the referee, by not standing you up, is basically saying he's okay with that situation. You're not scoring any points. You know, if, if you're going to give anything, you're going to give it to her opponent. She's the one kicking you. You're not really doing anything from the bottom. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's almost like sometimes these fighters don't watch fights outside of their own experiences because after a while, you just kind of figure that out. You go, well, wait a minute. They're not going to give me any points off of here. There have been a plenty of fights where fighters are actually pretty active off their back, throwing elbows, throwing punches, whatever they can. And they still don't win the rounds, you know? So definitely if you're going to lay on your back and just throw kicks up, uh, you're just not going to do anything. You'd have to have a huge advantage in the round to think that you could sit back and do something like that. Exactly. And Pollyanna Vienna, she's been in the UFC for a while. Uh, her coaches are Charles Oliveira's coaches. They were still in town. And I don't know what kind of message they were conveying, but for her to sit there and continues, continue to do that was the equivalent of me being at a football game. It's third and 14. Goes, what are you doing on third and 14? I mean, don't you most likely have four receivers and a tight end and no running back or maybe just the one running back? But you're throwing it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to quarterback sneak it or running it to the quarterback. I mean, you're pretty much not going to do that unless you're on your own five. and You just want to give the – you've already said, okay, we're we're punting. We just want to get a couple extra yards so the punter doesn't go out of his own ends, and I get that. But for the most part, yeah, you're trying to throw it, you know, because – that's just not a play. That's just not the play that you call at that time. And I got the score right here of June Park. Of um, no, sorry, 
Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Why am I pulling up Chukagan and Rebus? That was the week before. Um, Ricci and Viana. That's the one I meant to pull up. That one was 29-28. Ricci defeated Viana. In that fight, the first round went to Viana. The second round went to Ricci. Consistent. The th third round went to Ricci. It was as easy as that. She spent a lot of time on her back, laying there, inviting her into the guard. If she had just gotten up and striking, I thought she was winning round three before the fight hit the ground. I thought she could have won the fight. It cost her her win bonus, and uh, you know now she's further away from a title. You know her record takes a little bit of a hit, and any kind of momentum she may have had, which I'm not saying she was a knocking on the door of a title. No, that's not what I'm trying to say, but. That's the goal of everybody, you know. And now she let me see, she had a three fight win streak. She could sorry, she had a two fight win streak, could have been three. Instead, now she's coming off a loss. Um, so it looks like to me like her job is faced, but you know, say her two fights win streak, by the way, followed a three fight losing streak. So she's really two and four in her last six, three and four in her last seven. You know, like, you, you just never know, man. You're playing with your career, folks, by not being able to represent yourself the best. Got to learn the rules. Got to learn the rules. Fans, look at those rules. They're easily to they're easy to look up. Um, the updated rules of 2017, damage, damage, damage. Octagon control, aggressiveness. That's, like, so far down. that That criteria is so far down that I don't know that it ever really comes into play. But. Anyway. I think she's going to be frustrated because when she goes back and watches it, she's going to see that even though you know she wanted to invite her down into her guard and possibly pull out, I think she was obsessed with that submission when really she overlooked the fact that she wasn't doing too bad in the stand-up. She probably exactly. could have won a decision just standing up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It it. Oof, chat my hide, man. All right, next up, Chidi and Jaquani defeated Dusko Tudorovic. Tudorovic early on was kind of working a little bit of that clinch game, uh, trying to wrestle, and Jaquani, you know, years ago, the Jaquani brothers, they would have got taken down. They would have lied on their back. They would have got humped. But they, you could tell he really, really worked on his wrestling. He went through certain um, techniques, you know, to finally be able to get underhooks and use footwork and use his hips to get back to standing. And then he landed a vicious elbow. But, you know, Chidi and Jaquani, the first time when he stopped it, he actually sprawled and it was really, really nice. Yeah. Um, and But then he went for this dart stroke and that's what cost him the positioning, you know, and that's why he spent most of that first round actually, uh, you know, fighting off the ground game of, of Todorovic until they eventually got up and he was able to stand and get that get that takedown. But the crowd really, really were, uh, went nuts. Congrats to Chidi and Joe Kawani. Uh, that's the second time in a row that he's had, you know, a, a nice highlight. And I can tell you right now, he got himself 50 G, so good on him for that. Um, he says he wants a piece of Pajeda, who got the – who was the next fighter on the card? He defeated Santiago Ponzanibio in the co-main event, and then Kaylin Vera defeated Holly Holm in the main event. But any thoughts here goes on Enjo Kawani before we get to Pajeda and Vieira? Well, that's not an easy strike to throw. Like if you ever just mess around, people don't realize um, you really 
it's easy to judge your distance with your hands because you're constantly putting out your hands and you know how far you have to reach to open the cabinet or whatever, the door, all that stuff. But throwing an elbow is different. You'd be shocked at how close you have to get sometimes to do that, you know, depending on the length of your arm and the torque on your body. So for him to land that perfect shot means that dude does that all the time in the gym, you know, and practices that, knows his distance, set it up. So props to him, dude. I mean, that that kid, if he keeps fighting like that, he's going to be somebody we're going to be talking about pretty soon. And then, yeah, when we can get to the, the co-main and the main, uh, great fights. I, I was really, really impressed with that sprawl to start things off and then to be comfortable enough to attack the neck, um, you know, with that Dars. But again, against some of the better fighters, he may not even be able to get up. He may have been down 10-9 going into round two. Now, I'm not saying that in round two, round three, he doesn't do his thing, but I was really impressed with the takedown defense. That Dars, you just got to, you know, you got to be, I, you know, I'm not saying don't go for it, but um, get better at it for sure when you're at the point where you're going to be hitting that most of the time because, again, his main strength is is standing, you know, and if he gets – if he's now on the ground because he dictated those terms after the sprawl, he could have just got up. But if he likes to stay down there, maybe he's down there against someone who's very unrelenting, won't let you up. Maybe he can ground them, pound their way to a victory. That's what you got to be careful. But now Chidi's won four in a row goes. He's two and a, two and oh in proper UFC. Remember he defeated Mark Andre Barrio with an overhand right um, in his UFC debut, but he's three. No, if you throw in contender series, so under the UFC banner, three and zero, four fight win streak. If you go back to his um, vicious knee over Christian Torres at, at LFA, that that uh, sprung him into Dana White contender series. So he, he's he's working off a nice little run he's in now. Bellator things didn't go too well for them for him there at the end. Overall, I think he was about um, you know he started off good with Bellator. But then he ran into a couple of um, strong headwinds there in Rafael Carvalho and, and John Salter. But right now he is just flying high, and I'm really happy for him. Mm-hmm. Santiago Ponzanibio lost to Michelle Pajeda in the co-main event. Now, most of the scores I see here on MMA decisions show Pajeda and well yeah more of them show Pajeda 29 28 it's it, but it's as close as they got all right and there was a lot of 29 28 for Ponzanibio in the arena people were booing this decision now it could just be there was more Ponzanibio fans or Argentinians or whatever so that's not the end all be all but what did you think of the fight from home what were they saying you know it's difficult because there were so many strikes being thrown at such a high rate that it's hard to keep track of. Mm-hmm. But I was okay with the decision. I thought it was close. It kind of had a little bit of some similarities to the main event, you know, with a little less action, but really with one one fighter maybe throwing the harder strikes with the other one throwing more of them. So I was okay with the decision, but it, it was a hell of a fight, and it was close. Well, the way Ponzinibbio stormed off, he stormed off like he's never been so slighted. and the only thing I can say is, bro, I was there and Pajeda was landing too. I get it. Ponzinibbio was landing. But to me, it looked like the heavier artillery came from Pajeda. 
yeah, Ponzinibbio, like I said, he he had his moments, but I'm telling you, I was there. I remember it. If he watches it again, there's no way he can go. They're still crazy. Part of him still has to give in. I don't care what kind of an ego you have and, and, and say, oh, well, I guess I get it or whatever. Because if not, if you are that rigid in your form of thinking, then you're not going to be able to learn from it and apply it to the next your next fight because you're going to think that's still enough to get you the win. And I'm telling you, you a judge that could have given it to Ponzinibbio, I would not have hated on. All right. But I, I thought they got it right, man. I thought they did too. Um, I, 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 bet know, I, I just thought it was clear. But hey, I guess I, I, I probably would have a problem with it, I guess, if you gave it the, to Ponzinibbio because I just thought it was clear. But it was a close fight. Yeah, for sure. And guess what? The judges were pretty damn consistent here. In three rounds, the first round, all three judges, Bell, Camillo, and McCarthy, went 10-9 Pajeda. In round three, no. Okay, this one they were a little bit mixed up. Sorry. Round one, all of them went to Pajeda. Round two, two of them went to Pajeda. One of them went to Ponzanibio. Round three, two of them went to Ponzanibio. One of them went to Pajeda. Now, Ron McCarthy said Pajeda for all three. 30-27. Camillo did say uh, 29-28 for Ponzanibio. He gave him rounds two and three. And Michael Bell already had Ponzanibio drawing dead going into the third round um, because he gave Pajeda the first two rounds. In fact, if you want real quick, open scoring, uh, people were talking about that a little bit as well. If they had open scoring in this fight goes and you're in Ponzanibio's corner, you would have had to tell your guy Hey, two judges already have you down 20 to 18. You got to go for the finish. Well, to me, it looked like Ponzanibo was already going for the finish. It didn't look like he was just trying to win the round. You know what I mean? To me, it looked like he was trying to knock Pajeda out. But if you're Pajeda, now Pajeda just gave us a great round three. But if you're Pajeda and you're up 10 th or 2 nothing on two judges' scorecards, you may want to work, you may want to throw in that stall wall and stall or that takedown or whatever i'm not convinced that open scoring makes the fights more exciting this was a pretty damn exciting fight it did not have open scoring but think about the things that could have could happen in a fight like that because you have open scoring as well i'm pretty against open scoring i don't think it's a good idea it, there's going to be loopholes every way around it and uh, there might be a couple instances where you could say you see it helped out but I think you're going to have more where you're going to go, oh, this kind of ruined things. Yeah, because if Pajeda's up 2 nothing on two judges' scorecards, Pajeda, and let's say Ponzinibbio is nailing him, right? He could reach out and poke his eyes and um, kind of you know try and act it off like, oh, my bad, or whatever. But if Ponzinibbio can't go, then they would go to the judges' scorecards. He'll give up the third round knowing that he's already got the first two. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if they kicked him in the nuts, he could also go, I can't continue. You yeah. know what I mean? But he knows he's up two, two rounds to nothing. So, like, there are some loopholes. It's not perfect. It's not perfect either way. But I don't know that open scoring um, fixes it. The Evicta FC way of scoring it is they can come over and tell the coach, and the coach decides whether they want to share it with the fighter or not. So they have a version of it as well. Um, it's not like something lights up in the arena itself, but 
I don't know. I, I I'm glad that they're at least trying a version of it or whatever, and, and uh, but I'm still not convinced that it's perfect. All right, moving on. The finals or the final fight was Kellen Vieira defeating uh, Holly Holm. So the way this one happened goes was all the judges were very consistent. Bell, Cleary, Diamato. First round they all had ten nine Holm. Second round they all had ten nine Vieira. Fourth round they all had ten nine Vieira. Fifth round, they all had 10-9 home. So it was basically 2-2. Two, two. Um, I won't say going into the fifth because I purposely left out the third. The third was the key round. In rounds three, in round three, judges Bell and Cleary gave the 10-9 to Vieira, and Diamato gave the 10-9 to home. And uh, on MMA decisions, 90% of the outlets had home winning. Some went to, so far as to say even 49-46. But uh, the judges were... Out of 15 possible scores, 14 were consistent. Only one wasn't. And um, there you have it. You know, like, I know there's a strike count statistic that's being floated out there, but you can't judge that because you don't judge the whole fight. It goes round by round. We don't know what the breakdown was per round. All you got to do is win the win the round and you get the 10-9. You know what I mean? So um, when I was there, I had this feeling it was 2-2. I was, I was so into it. You know, talking with people and people were yelling stuff and I'm looking around and I'm enjoying it that I wasn't looking at every single strike or remembering everything that had happened. But I just had this feeling could be 2-2 going into the fifth and whoever won the fifth was going to win the fight. And I thought home won the fifth. The judges agreed. So I thought they were going to say home's name. I was a little shocked that they said Vieira's name. In fact, Andre Pedaneris, the judge, the the uh, coach for Caitlin Vieira, he, he, I guess he had even told her he thought she was down 3-1. He had this disgusted look like, oh, man, we came all the way from Brazil for this. And then when they announced Vieira's name, he almost lost his mind. He was so happy. Um, so, yeah, I've seen a lot of people with a lot of opinions on this. I want to start with yours. What do you think? Well, you should have seen Andre before that, man. Like the translator was really working hard, uh, but he was letting her have it. I mean, he was telling her all kinds of things that might have even – I'm not going to say cross the line, but if you don't have a strong fighter, you might he might have broken the fighter with some of those words. Uh, but the, the the fight itself was it was okay. You know, it wasn't the greatest fight, it wasn't the worst fight. But I, I think Ketlin's going to go back and look at it and see. And there were a few times where I thought she actually hurt Holly and didn't oh, yeah. capitalize on it. Um, she kind of let her off the hook. And I think she could have pushed the pace a little bit more. She didn't seem too tired Agreed. at the end of the fight. I thought she could have done a little bit more. And then Holly, Holly has just slowed down a little bit. You know, I, I give her props for being able to contend at her age with the amount of fights she's had. I think she looks pretty good, but uh, she's a little different. You know, she doesn't use her angles the way she used to. Uh, there's some things different about her game and, I think if they did have a rematch, I feel like Caitlin would probably win. I think uh, she would make the necessary adjustments where I think we, we probably saw the best Holly Holm at this point, and the best Holly Holm just wasn't good enough. I Personally, I scored the fight for Holly. Okay, I thought Caitlin hit her with the more harder punches, more flush punches. Agreed. But I do feel like because Caitlin took her foot off the gas – it just allowed Holly to score enough to almost offset some of that sometimes. And so um, 
I'm okay. Like I don't think it's a robbery by any chance, by any stretch, but I did feel like Holly Holm won that fight. See, I thought Ketlin, Ketlin for sure landed the harder punches, the more impactful punches. But yeah, Holly Holm definitely had the bigger strike count. But a lot of it was wall and stall. A lot of those punches that aren't as effective, you know, because you're kind of I don't want to say pitter patter or rabbit punches, but they're just they're not full extension punches, you know. And but they add up. And so she was doing a little bit of that. I think one word that I w- that I wish she would have used that you probably will agree with. She just became predictable. And I remember her all- also having those same combos or same types of explosion over and over. Remember Valentina Shashenko kept stepping out and just catching her with a check hook in the you know mm-hmm. as a counter striker, and that's how she was able to win that fight. You know because Shevchenko isn't always act or wasn't always as active as she is now. Um, and I believe that may have cost her one of the two Nunez's fights. But in the home fight, I was like, ooh, what's she doing here? But when she would strike, she would strike her hard. And it was because Holly just became a little bit predictable. And Kevin was able to just kind of put her hand up, almost like, like an Aikido person, just, you know, stopping somebody's windmill punch with, you know, by blocking it and then throwing this little uppercut, man, this little hook uppercut. And she kept stopping home in her track. And she did it over and over, you know. Um, now, when she had the chance, she didn't step on the gas and pile on to the victory. And I think that's what was frustrating for Pettinera. She also had a really couple really nice judo throws. Um, Holm was trying to work down the, the the rest, trying to work to take down. You know, it was a fun fight, takedown wrestling. I, I it was a fun fight. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was really really intense in there for. Both Ponzanibio and Pajeda, they got a loud pop. And then so did Vieira and Holmes. So those last two fights really was a nice cherry on the Sunday because the fighters came to compete, man. It didn't, it wasn't as deep as most fight nights are in terms of name value, but the fighters came and they threw down. Yeah, it's funny because we'll probably say that going into the card, right? Like name value, not that great. But we're going to come up on a week where there is no UFC. And I guarantee at some point on Saturday, you go, man, I take whatever you give me at this point. Pretty much. Exactly. Uh, we'll f- close with this. The bonuses went to Ponzanibio and Pajeda. I don't see much of an argument there. Maybe Holm and Vieira uh, supporters would, would campaign for them. There was one other good fight, too, on the undercard that Chase was Super fun to watch. Yeah, that one was pretty good. And I forgot. There was one more that had a decent, you know, people were giving it a round of applause. Maybe it was Park and Anders because they made it to you know to the finish line or whatever. But anyway, um, that was the fight of the night there, and the performances went to Chidi and Joe Kawani and Chase Hooper. So you know, good for them. Uh, I suppose your Uros Medichs of the world, Jelton Almeidas, Joseph Holmes, they might be like, "Whoa, yo, what's up? I got my finish. Can I at least get one of those merciful checks?" you know, that they send a few weeks out later. Um, sure, you know, because like I said, they, they came in and did their job, man. They handled the business. It didn't go to the judges. So anyway, that's our recap there of the UFC Fight Night card in, uh, over at the UFC's Apex Center. And I was really happy to take it in person. I want to And I want to give a shout out to uh, John Orlando for that. Uh, lastly goes Pejeda in his post-fight press conference said he wants Masvidal next. And then he alluded to the fact that Masvidal may have engaged with a wife via DMs. And so it was a little bit of a personal thing. He didn't seem like he was 
uh, oozing venom, you know, like, I want to kill this motherfucker. It wasn't like anything like that, but still, you know, once you start talking about, you know, your significant others and DMs, it, it can go that way. But boy, Masvidal was quick to counter and, and show receipts about how that exchange may have gone, and he doesn't look like a guilty party to me. Yeah, it's a, it was kind of an odd situation. Um, Fight-wise, I think it's okay. I'm kind of okay that with that. You gotta, you gotta really figure out. Like, I don't know. Jorge Masvidal kind of crossed over a little bit into a superstar at some point, but at the same time, he's not winning fights. So I don't know how long he can hang on to that. Eventually, he's gonna have to take a fight like that. But I don't know that he's that he's there yet. Yeah. Um, Juliana Payne, Amanda News, they're official for UFC 277 in Dallas. That's the second show of July, like July 30th. So that was recently announced. And, you know, that's kind of about it, man. Not, not, there's nothing that you can't go to MMA Junkie and get um, your hands on, you know, some of the different types of news that are up there. You'll see updates on Judas Santos's shoulder injury. You'll see Mike's Bonds. Um, the franchises he does when he basically becomes a little bit of the UFC matchmaker, Sean Shelby's next, or uh, who's next for Vieira, who's next for whoever, Sean Shelby's shoes, I forget what he calls it. Um, but I did want to say shout out to Anderson Silva for still having him back. He always makes us look good, right, goes as a late at least? Yeah, I mean, it's an exhibition, so there's not going to be a winner or a loser, but I think it was pretty clear to see Anderson Silva in that fight. Got Jake Paul's attention. Are you in real quick? Yes or no? I'm in. That's not a good idea for Jake Paul, though. Yeah, I agree. We'll talk more of that if it becomes a reality, or maybe we'll even cover it on the spinning back clicks. Check out youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video for more goes and George. We're going to bounce on out of here. We always appreciate your support here on MMA Junkie Radio. We will see you all later in the week. And uh, yeah, and hope you all had a nice weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Go out there and be a champion.